0: Good morning, Uh, welcome back to uh, season two of Sales TV. Uh, Delighted to be here groundbreaking today with John Nicholson, who is our first guest to have actually joined us on the sofa on the studio. Uh, We have Alex, uh, who is still banned for the uh, biro theft, uh, has not returned it in the week since last week. Uh, And we have Adam joining us as well online. But um, really, uh, uh, this is all about John. Uh, And what we would like to do, John, is, is hear a little bit about
1: you. So tell us, obviously we know who you are, but what do you do? So uh, thanks for having me Andy, um, a pleasure to be the first person here in the, in the studio of course. So uh, I'm John Nicholson, I'm the uh, Managing Director for Sales, Marketing, Customer Experience and Digital for Royal Mail and Parcel Force.
0: And that's a recent bring together isn't it, of it is. those, all those customer facing things in Royal Mail, yeah? Uh,
1: it absolutely is. So um, the idea being that as an organisation we need to bring all of those major customer touch points together. Yep to make sure we get the best out of it and are satisfying what those customers' needs are in the, in the modern world, which of course is different to what it was a few years ago, even.
0: Abs- absolutely, so anyway, we, we looked at some of the questions, because we do, we do actually prepare, believe it or
1: not, um, and actually, I've got it wrong, so I'm gonna ask, have you always been a salesperson? Uh, well, apart from the cliche that everybody's in sales, <laughs> Andy, um, no, I haven't. I okay. started my career uh, in logistics, in operations as a warehouse worker. Um, and thankfully managed to work my way through the ranks to become uh, part of the operational leadership team at uh, TNT Express, as was at the time. And through that, um, I started visiting customers with the sales team or the sales manager at the time, um, where customers had operational problems or they were a bit more complex, or they needed some, uh, frankly, credibility maybe. Um, to, and it was through that that actually I got into talking to customers. And in fact, I spent years saying, I'm not a salesperson, Mm -hmm. um, and was almost a little bit embarrassed by the the title even when I did and was a bona fide salesperson or sales leader. Um, But it was through that that operational requirement that I became uh, a salesperson ultimately. And do you enjoy it? Uh, It's brilliant, isn't it? It's a real privilege. So uh, if nothing else, um, when I was in operations, I used to look at the salespeople, see them going out in their nice company cars and so on and thinking, God, that'd be much better than working away in this cold office or cold warehouse. Uh, but the reality is, the insight, when you get to see uh, hundreds of different organisations, you're meeting founders or directors or you know, people from all walks of life in all different positions, uh, you just get to see the inner workings of uh, really UK PLC in, in this context, which actually most people don't often get to do um and to be able to explore how a company works what's going on inside it is uh, is a real joy
0: yeah and um, what, you know what i think we wanted to talk about today is your passion for the the lost art of account management which yeah. we, we won't put any spoiler alerts out now but but i've always been a huge admirer of raw mail and your leadership um, because i think you create a real learning culture and i think you've done a lot you're the first organisation to actually start to do the level six degree apprenticeships and take people directly from school and other places. Yeah. Why is that such
1: passion for you? So I think there's two things. And look, I have to give credit to my, my predecessor who, who really spearheaded the level six apprenticeships, of course, and uh, I've been in a fortunate enough position to be able to build on, on that culture. Uh, for me, it's really important for two reasons. One, in the context of, of Royal Mail and what we need to do. We're a legacy organisation. We've been around for over 500 years and we're really privileged to have very long tenure. People stay with Royal Mail, it's a job for life, and so on, and that's great, but it also brings its own challenges, which yep. means um, we haven't always been on the journey of bringing new people into the organization, haven't always had the luxury of developing people through the organization, and actually, we reached a, a critical point where we're thinking there's a, quite a chunk of our sales force that's going to retire right. in the next five to 10 years. And that just becomes a business problem. You know, This isn't about age, demographics, or discrimination. It's just a business problem that a lot of experience is going to walk out of the business to go and enjoy the rest of their lives, and rightly so. When we assessed what that gap was going to be, we realized we've got to do something different here. Right. We've got to have a pathway to um, meet the very simple objective that we need to continue selling, we need to continue servicing our customers, and we need skilled, talented, passionate people to be able to do that. And that was going to be a gap. Um, The other part was we wanted to give people a reason to come and work at Royal Mail. We Mm -hmm. know, don't we, Andy? We talk about it a lot, the challenges of people becoming a salesperson, whether it's a career, a choice, or just one of those things that people fall into. And we know historically and typically it's the former. Well, actually, we wanted to create an environment where people go, I want to work at Royal Mail, and I want to work at Royal Mail because I can develop a whole career in sales. So there's a bit about external attraction for that. And um, the other reason for me is, is almost entirely personal. So as I said, I started my career in operations, you know, as a warehouse worker, didn't come from an academic background, didn't have qualifications and so on, and was able to build a career because I was fortunate enough to work in good companies where opportunity existed, had some brilliant bosses and some brilliant mentors who've helped me up. Right. Not mm. everybody gets that privilege. Yeah, right. And I wanted to um, uh, create an environment, create the opportunity for people who identified that in themselves, a, a platform as best we could to help them do that and through it, um, because frankly you know, that's find, what it's about.
2: Yeah, I, I find, sorry to, to butt in there, Andy, I, John, I find your story amazing and what you're trying to do here with Royal Mail, but. How, how do you make Royal Mail attractive to young salespeople? Because, you know, it's, you know, without sounding derogatory or saying the wrong thing, it it doesn't kind of give off that vibe as this is the company to go work for if I'm a young salesperson. So I'd love to kind of hear how you're approaching that.
1: Yeah, and Alex, obviously, I fundamentally disagree. Royal Mail is the sexiest organisation to work (laughs) for, no matter what. I mean, have you ever seen a postie's legs in their shorts, uh, Alex? You know, so um, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, But but actually, uh, oh, joking aside, you, you strike on a really serious point, and that is that. Uh, it is quite difficult to attract. So, people, the UK population, the UK public has a perception of Royal Mail. You, you know, many people think we're still the post office, for example, and things like that. Some, some perceptions that are are just, you know, with respect out of date. We touch an awful lot of businesses. You know, we're still probably the fourth biggest employer in the UK, um, which is which is absolutely huge. So we are a massive employer. But people do see that operational side. They see postmen and women. And many people, some even internally, don't recognize that we've even got a sales force. So a big part of it, and at the risk of repeating myself a little bit, opening up those apprenticeship schemes. We're just about to launch imminently another uh, 10 early apprentices, so level four apprenticeships, again, to try and attract people that uh, might not necessarily have had the best start in life, or might not have now their GCSEs, to give them a career in. So although they might not be looking at Royal Mail going, that's the company I want to work for initially, actually, if they're of the mindset they want to build a career, what we offer is really, really good. The challenge that I've got, and I think we have as an organization, but I know I've definitely got in the context of sales, is how do I reach those younger people? How do I stop them wanting to look at some of the technology companies or the bigger brands that are out there, the automotive companies or whatever it might be? But I think the other point that we've all got to work harder at and I know I've got to work harder at is trying to articulate that difference between B2B sales and B2C sales. Of course, in some ways as an organization, we bridge the both, but we are a a predominantly business to business organization. And um, what that affords is is opportunities beyond most other companies out there because of who we work with. But I think Mm -hmm. we've got to do a better job of telling that. Yeah. You know, As an organisation, sometimes we find ourselves in the press and bits and pieces, and we need to do more to dispel those myths. It's not an easy balance.
0: Alex, i just like to say thanks for jumping in and ruining my segue because I was going to say, talking about people <laughs> who, sh- who should be thinking about retiring, let's bring Adam and Alex in. But you stole that from me.
2: Hey, but, it still works. So you're saying it, we're
0: it, old? No, I'm just <laughs> saying you're more towards the twilight years of your, of your careers, if that's Great. all right. Beards. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. I, know, I, I want to know how, how you're seeing a, a postman's legs every day. That's a slightly well, concerning what, issue.
2: What, what's funny, and John and I have had this conversation separately, is um, so I, I, I regularly see our postman's legs, even in the winter.
0: Yeah, they are and a hardy learned, bunch.
2: Yeah, they are a hardy bunch. And I learned that actually there's there's a method in their madness, so they don't want to be wearing wet, cold, wet trousers. Uh, so they so to to avoid that risk, they wear shorts. Um, and I guess you know, they having having worn shorts for many years, they don't feel the cold like uh, like you and I might. Oh,
0: that's an excuse I always give to my wife as to why I'm, I'm wearing shorts on Christmas <laughs> Day. But now I know there's a science behind it. Boy, am I going to re that? You've, got a, reason, now. Yeah, you've yeah. got a reason
2: You've got a reason. Circling, circling back to, to John's point about kind of making Royal Mail this, you know, this attractive place for, for, for younger people, I, I've had a really good experience with our postie. You know, we have a P.O. box for our business and uh, something got delivered to the wrong address and we phoned up customer service. And, and they couldn't help us because they couldn't give us the address of where it had been posted to, even though they knew it. So we stopped our postie that morning and, uh, and, and told him about it. And he went out of his way to go and grab it from the address and hand deliver it to us. And he didn't have to do that. But, you know, for me, you know, that kind of, you know, I guess amplifies what you're saying about the Royal Mail and, and, and the service that you offer, John. Yeah. And I would argue that's, you know that someone in sales would do that. Um, go out of their way and so yeah no, I, I think you interesting interesting to your interesting point
1: check. everyone's in
0: sales and he's just sold the relationship that much more
1: it's it, look, it's it's our biggest asset yeah you, you, there's no doubt about it that our postmen and women are our brand they are the bit that people see all joking aside shorts or otherwise um, and that does make a difference and people trust well Mail because of that relationship they've got you know we've got a hundred and hundred or so thousand postmen and women out there they have a good relationship with one of them, and they trust 100,000 yeah. people on, on that behalf. It just goes to show how important it's, that it's is.
0: Other things. So, um,
1: I'm going to ask you a question
0: here. It's, it's slightly putting you on the spot, but in a nice way. Okay. Do you know, through your impact at Royal Mail, how much student debt you've actually eradicated through the Level oh. 6 apprenticeship? I, I don't actually. Yeah, so it's about I, two million you've 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 stopped people from going into, which is a phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that is phenomenal. It's a great legacy,
1: and, and I think how, on how, that. How,
2: can you explain that? What, what do you mean when you say that?
0: So if we look at, um, and I did it one night because I was interested. If we look at all the level six students that, that like the likes of Royal mail but also BT, Aon, people like that have, have brought in. They don't, they, because they're on a salary, they're not looking for student loans. They don't have a student loan, so actually they uh, work and they earn at the same time. And consequently, the average student debt is £70,000 when they finish, their, uh, they finish their degree. And if we look at it throughout all the level sixes, and, and Royal Mail spearheaded the level six as a trailblazer, um, there's about 7 million of student debt has been eradicated so far or not been taken on. Wow. Uh, and actually, because of the proportion of rural males apprentices, it's about 2 million for you guys. Wow. There you go. Mathematics nice. 101. And
2: level: And level six for our viewers, what, what is that and who does it appeal to?
0: It's a fully integrated degree. So it's exactly the same as any degree that you would go and do. So I did geography at Liverpool. It carries exactly the same weight and kudos, but it's a BSc, a Bachelor of Science in Sales. Uh, it's three years okay um, and it's 20% off the job and I've, I've had the privilege of seeing some of the great raw Mail apprentices come out and, and they're brilliant absolutely brilliant to start I mean I sat actually with them in group work two or three times and the way that they think about the world in, in a nothing's a problem and everything's a solution is fantastic
2: yeah is that any age that that is no it no, you is, can't you know, I was you might make a posting
1: exactly <laughs>
0: Yeah, if that, yeah, was, it, if that it. was it, John, will you accept my CV? A, it wasn't very subtle. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Adam, you were going to say?
3: No, I was going to say I was jumping on that, uh, that bandwagon. And it's really interesting what you say, John, about uh, having to externalise the full breadth of things that the Royal Mail is. Because I, I think you know, we have a very good relationship with our, uh, our postie. Uh, in fact we we have a number that deliver to us and they're all delightful people and we always stop them and have a bit of a chat and you know give them a a glass of water on a hot day Uh, and and they they do your brand proud but I think for for the majority of the public certainly young people uh, why would I want to join uh, the Royal Mail I don't want to be a postman Mm. and and actually it's, it's a huge, diverse organization that employs hundreds of thousands of people in every conceivable role. You know, you, you may be delivering letters, you may be driving, you may be working in logistics, you may be working in facilities, you could be working in sales or management or any one of a hundred other jobs. And I think that, that one of the things that's really interesting, particularly about the place that we're at as a, as a, as a commercial institution, the country at, at the moment, is that organisations that have got that huge legacy and that huge workforce uh, and have an irreplaceable role in, in the mechanics of the country become increasingly attractive places to go and work. When you look at the tech industry and the fact that so many people are being laid off and so many businesses are closing and not getting their funding, that's not a problem that the Royal Mail is ever going to face because people will always have to have their letters and parcels delivered. Uh, And and I think that that maybe uh, that's something that young people need to really think about. You know, you could literally work within your organisation your entire working life and never get bored because, as you did, moving from, although not within Royal Mail, moving from warehouse to logistics to sales, you know, there's an opportunity for people to do exactly that within the Royal Mail, isn't there?
1: it absolutely is but you make a really interesting point adam which is people always need their letters and parcels delivered but as an organisation actually we faced uh, a systemic decline people are sending less letters and we uh, you know have to transform to be a parcels delivery business which is much more competitive and arguably back to the context of of sales that's where we really do need a a competitive commercially thinking forward thinking modern sales organisation because it wasn't that long ago we were the monopoly provider for letters. Mm. We, we, we are still the monopoly provider for letters, but actually half of our revenues come from parcel delivery, e-commerce delivery, and so on, where we've got a number of competitors, and a number of competitors that have emerged you know, very quickly over the last five or six years or, uh, or so. So that consistent change, that con- dis- consistent adaption of salespeople, that consistent training and education of them yeah, yeah. Is fundamental. We could have, as an organisation, sat back and gone, mm, "No, we'll carry on doing exactly what we're doing," but we would have found ourselves at a point of extinction. Right. So it, we can't. We can't, and are very aware. We cannot take that for granted. Mm. We, we have to remain ahead. And, and that
0: leads on to, you know, two questions to kind of discuss. You know, my research and what I'm doing, and actually, you know, mm-hmm. delighted that you know we're going to do that together in the coming weeks. But to me, it's a a leader that sets a learning culture. And I I want to explore a little bit, why is that so passionate to you? I mean, as you said, you could just go, it's fine, we'll do what you do. But you have basically gone, I want people to develop themselves. And you've given them a real freedom in framework,
1: applauding it. but, But why? What's? Well, it is a combination of all those things. There is a piece around survival. There's a piece that says to me, we have got. I'm really fortunate. You know, we've got a sales force of about 400 people in in the different roles that you'd expect in in a a large sales force. Um, All of them now at different points in their career journey. Some have finished their apprenticeships. Some have been here for you know 30 years. Mm -hmm. Some are just starting their careers, and so on and so forth. But the majority of them are driven. They want to do better. And there is nothing more frustrating, is there, as an individual who's driven, who wants to achieve? looking around going, well, what can I do? And the, I think particularly sales as a career is one of those great career choices where you don't, the, the natural route isn't necessarily through management. You, know, you can go your whole career being an individual contributor, yep. have a very successful career, you know, fund your life in a way that you want to do it yeah. without having to take on the pressures of managing or leading people if it's not your, your bag. But sometimes that's quite difficult to do, you know, within pay boundaries and consistency and reward schemes and so on. And for me, therefore, then personal development is a way that allows people to continue to grow within the sphere that they want to play in, but not go stale. And that that doesn't work for everybody. Uh, My personal view is I want to create the platform where it's open to everybody, but you've got to stick your hand up and want it as well. You've got to commit to it. I, I, I don't... There's some, uh, some of the things we absolutely mandate in terms of development, uh, of course we do, but some of the extra uh, work we do is discretionary for people. They put their hands up for it and say, I want to go and do a Masters in Sales Leadership or whatever it might be. The very fact that they're taking on that commitment is admirable to them yeah. and we will create a space to allow them to do it um, as best we can. It doesn't uh, come without pressures, of course. But,
0: uh, but I think the fair nature of what you're saying is uh, you're not looking to motivate people. You're letting them motivate themselves, but you're creating this culture of high learning. Yeah. And I think what you've you've also done as well. I know what you've done is create a really strong psychologically safe area. And, and if you look at the work of Amy C. Edmondson, the Fearless Organization, I look at this, and you wouldn't necessarily go, yeah, raw male, a Fearless Organization. Yeah. But actually, that's from the seven years I've known you. That's exactly what you've built.
1: It's. it's and again, as ever, it's a fine balance. You know, we are a. We're a regulated organisation as well because of um, the place we pay for uh, what we do for the u- delivering the universal service obligation. We're the market leader in our sphere, so we've got the additional uh, requirements uh, and onus is placed upon us there. We were talking about it earlier, weren't we, yeah. around uh, spending time with competitors and what that means and how we have to consider how we act and all of those types of things. So we, we've got to be very mindful of those boundaries. So we don't want to create fear. We want people to be fearless but we also need people who are, are educated and trained enough yeah. to know exactly where those lines are because the consequences for us of getting it wrong are arguably more severe than they might be for some of our competitors. Yeah, that's true. Guys, what, what do you think
2: about that? Oof, I've got a few thoughts coming to mind. I think, um, you know, uh, off the back of something that you were saying there, John, you know, I, I can't help but think that you're doing an amazing job for your sales force. Uh, uh, but we, we are sort of in this inflection point where buyer behavior has been changing for many yeah. years and it's becoming harder and harder for salespeople to, you know, to penetrate that zone of resistance. And traditionally we've said, do more with less, make more calls, send more emails. And, and all it's done is, uh, uh, you know, forced buyers to make that zone of mm-hmm. resistance higher and thicker. So I'd love to know you know, what your view is about that and what you're doing to help uh, enable your sales force to, to, to align better with the buyer. Yeah, so yeah, yeah.
1: Alex, you make a really interesting point. I think it's one of the, 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 the well-worn discussions of sales, isn't it, is metrics, calls, does activity uh, equal an output and so on, and the answer is, of course it does to a certain degree, but it's not the panacea to, to all of the, the, the questions. Actually, if I look at my peer groups and experience, and when I talk to other members of the ISP, for example, and around <laughs> call metrics, our, some of our metrics, our KPIs, are typically lower. So our call rates are typically lower than what you might expect to see, given the size of our customer base and so on. And part mm-hmm. of that is because we want to create your autonomy. Even our, uh, what you might consider are our, our, the lower uh, ranks within our sales team, are, in our mind, senior people. You know, they're of a managerial grade. Um, so we want to allow them to do the job and manage their territory, their portfolio in a way that's right for their territory and their yep. portfolio. But we still have the guardrails up. You know, we still need to manage performance. We still need to understand what God good looks like in the context of Royal Mail of that territory of the peers. And of course, we've got both brands, Royal Mail and Parcel Force, who serve two different groups of customers. So we've always got this balance to to check and compare against. this almost like an access to another organisation, a competitor organisation, to see how things are working, which is, which is really, really lucky. Um, but we do have to still keep those, those measures in place, Alex. And naturally, if we've got people who are underperforming or under pressure, which happens in sales, of course it does, they will kick out against those and say, oh, it's because of, uh, uh, because of these. But that goes back to that accountability piece. So we are just uh, we've we've had quite a high coaching culture for quite a while, but uh, literally as we speak, we're recruiting specifically for performance coaches to come in and and these are new roles that we've created. Who I'm very clear are not managers, so they are on Mm. uh, you know part of the leadership team for want of a better word, but they're not managers. They are coaches, and that is to really help people um, improve their performance again in a safe a safe space where they're not at fear of being managed, quote unquote, but are just there to work on the areas of their game that they, they need to improve. I, I'm not a fan of particularly using sport analogies in business, I think it's a bit overused, but I do want them to be seen as a, as a, as a performance coach, a fitness coach almost, um, because I think that allows us as a leadership team, but also as a sales population, to identify needs in a different way. Some people will need performance managing biometrics, and so on, and they will uh, perform or not because of that. Other people aren't gonna respond to that, and like all groups, we've got that whole mix in between. Um, so it's just happening into that. We won't always get it right, of course we won't. It's just too big and vast, but we'll do our best.
2: I, cool. I, love, I love the fact that you've got a separate coach. I've always struggled with a manager coaching their team as well, because they've always got the metrics in mind. Cool. Are they? Do they really care about the individual and and their personal, you know, their performance? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, they do, but will they get the most out of them? Is just the question.
0: So, just changing tack to one final question. Um, we've talked about this, and we've yeah. we've kind of it's emerged through the conversation about this ballooning kind of tech world and tech salespeople and SDRs, and, and you kind of uh, kicked around last week that there's a bit of a lost art, his key account management and sales management and his SDRs and his inside sales reps, et cetera. But this kind of bit in the middle, and guys, if you could bring the slide up for us, um, that would be great, because I, I stole this from Neil Rackham. Yeah. And Neil Rackham talked about, fundamentally, uh, the viewpoint that actually, Sales was going to be, you know, the the, the smile, and everything was going to go uber transactional or uber complex, and that bit in the middle, which would arguably people creating value, was going to disappear. Yeah. But actually, it, it didn't. And actually, I remember um, uh, Phil Jones from Brother saying the thing that kept him up at night. I think we were at the same conference. Was actually the people with the skill sets to kind of go into mid-sized accounts and manage territories, as you said, that they're not necessarily there anymore. And, I know you're passionate about, actually, we don't forget that more traditional account management role.
1: What uh, absolutely. And it might be symptomatic of who we are and how we've grown up as an organisation, but it's very, very front of mind for me. So the, the weight of our sales resources in what we would call account management, you know, our account directors, regional account managers, and inside account managers across both brands, mm-hmm. Royal Mail and Parcel Force, that's where very clearly the bulk of our revenue sits but also the bulk of our growth expectation yeah, yeah. sits and you know our new business teams and our strategic business development teams do a phenomenal job in that uh, in that complex and that uh, semi-transactional sale that we do they it's absolutely valuable but the revenue that we need to to achieve really sits in our account management space and i think and i, I can't I don't want to criticize what goes on in the SaaS world and so on but the readings, the teachings that we read on sales are so focused on that SaaS and then the uh, almost account management you've spoken about as service. And I, I feel a little bit like that doesn't do it justice. Mm, um, because it is that account management, and they've got to tread a really fine line between the sales metrics that we were just talking about, can you grow this customer please, but also can you keep this customer. And the customer's expectation is you're there to manage my account and everything within it. That's a really high pressure role where you Mm. are balancing a number of different skill sets, actually. And we talked historically about hunters and farmers. Again, I think there's this bit in the middle, and I don't know what the right (laughs) terminology would be in hunters and farmers. I won't have a go at trying to come up with one on the fly. Um, Whereby, I think we've got to spend a lot more effort as as leaders of the industry and with the ISP and, you know, places like Cranfield, understanding what good looks like in that space. Uh, because it's very difficult to define to them, you're a salesperson, you've got a revenue growth target, you've got a retention target, this is how you focus your efforts. Um, it's a really difficult mix for people to get. No, I think,
0: I think you're right. and I do think it's the forgotten art. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's difficult to, how do you behave? How do you go in and say these are the things that I think you as an account should be thinking about? Yep. Um, you know, arguably those salespeople are spending more time with customers and people with issues and pressures than the people that they're talking to, so they're looking for real insight and direction about where they should be thinking about They are,
1: yeah. And, and they're arguably the ones that have got to know the businesses much more intimately. Yep. Y- you know, they are dealing with the peaks and troughs, and if you've got a portfolio of 50 customers or 150 customers, whatever the, the number is, actually to have a way of managing that, prioritise that deal with that, it's not an easy gig, and so we need to support people in in doing better at that.
0: It's absolutely not at all. Uh, Adam, 30 seconds before we close out. Uh,
3: Yeah, you said about the fact that uh, in the last five years a lot of competitors have come into the marketplace, uh, and once upon a time you had a monopoly. Uh, I, I think in the future once again you will have a monopoly, and the reason that I think that is that when When intelligent buyers look at what the options are they can go to some a new company not a company that's been around 500 years they can go to a company that has 10 or 50 or 100 times as many staff and delivery vehicles that covers every inch of the uk rather than just the the profitable parts of the uk and many of the competitors that have arrived recently, I mean, there are one or two that, that haven't, but many of them have uh, are trying to do it on a shoestring. So, you know, I'll deliver parcels in the back of my car. And I think as we move away from a more capitalist to a more socialist society, I think that having company-owned vehicles doing company jobs will become a prerequisite of organizations being. So I think that many of the competitors you have will be stripped away. And I, I for one, think that, that uh, the Royal Mail has been a standard-bearer for a British organisation for many years and, uh, and all of the maligning that it might have had over the last few years, uh, I think is very misplaced and very unfair.
0: That's cool. Well, we're in danger of an overrun. Thank you for that, Adam. Thanks for Alex. Most importantly, John, thank you for being the first thanks on the sofa. Me. It's been great. Uh, thanks to the Grenville team here and we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye now.
1: Thank you very much.